Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Here we bloody go again. Calcutta Cup on Saturday afternoon as the Six Nations kicks off. This is the most exciting pod of the year by far, uh, previewing Scotland versus England. And as ever, it's David, Matt and Alan to take you right through to match day, analysing the squad and all of the weird and wonderful things that have been going on in Scottish rugby. Alan, how is the hope building, the Scottish rugby hope? It's it's building. I'm I'm getting excited. It's you know, I think we we've talked about it on our sort of WhatsApp group this week. I think, you know, even with the Autumn Autumn Nations Cup, when we were sort of coming up to that Wales game, which was kind of the final Six Nations match, and then the rest of the rest of November, we all felt maybe like a little bit sort of I don't know disconnected from it as sort of a tournament and maybe felt that because there was no crowds that might be the case, but I really feel differently about this Six Nations match. And maybe that's got a little bit to do with it being sort of England, etc. But still, I I am absolutely amped for Saturday afternoon. And Matt, are you feeling that? Are you feeling that hope, that um, that crushing sense of hope that you know is going to collapse around your ears? I mean, it's classic, isn't it? The week of the, the sort of eve of the Six Nations is when all the Scotland fans dare to dream. And I think, there's this narrative building that Finn Russell and his return to the Scotland Six Nations squad is the guy that's going to take us over the line. I'm, I'm trying not to get too hopeful because this happens genuinely every year. But, you know, the team's named. It, I think it's going to be a good game. If there's one thing that this game has, it is absolutely stacks of narrative. It's like narrative on narrative. There's obviously Calcutta Cup. It's the 150 50 year sort of anniversary of international rugby. There's like the sort of the Finn Russell story. There's now this sort of schoolboy rivalry of sort of Ollie Lawrence and Cameron Redpath playing at 12. Like the narrative levels of the team selections are, are off the charts. Um, and it is, it is bloody exciting. And um, as I say, we are going to be with you. Um, we've got the pod tonight. We will be live tweeting during the game on Saturday. We'll have a newsletter coming out for you um, overnight on Sunday as well. And throughout this Six Nations, we're absolutely delighted to be joined by a brand new sponsor, um, Rob Mack. They're an independent financial advisors specializing in mortgage management, financial planning, and investments. Um, we know the team over there really, really well, and they're just as keen on Scottish rugby as we are. Um, so it seems a fantastic fit, and we're delighted to have them with us throughout all of our coverage for the Six Nations. You can check them out if you're interested in any of those things at robmack.co.uk. Um, thanks very much to the guys at Rob Mack. Um, so 
Alan, Matt, let's just get straight into it. That is what people are here for. The teams dropped at lunchtime today. Gregor Townsend and Eddie Jones naming their 23 men. Alan, I'll come to you first. Give me that sort of snap reaction. How did you feel when you saw the Scotland team? Excited. I think, you know, one thing that has, well, I was going to say, one thing that feels like it's happened over the last couple of years is there's been a sort of increasing amount of consistency, potentially, in Tooney's selections. Not as much Tooney Tombola as it potentially used to be. But actually saying that, one of the, the interesting stats that came out today was there's only four players in the starting 15 on Saturday who started the match two years ago at Twickenham. So actually, when you look at that, it, it shows that there actually has been quite quite a lot of change over the last two years. But I think, you know, we've, we've obviously missed Finn, and I know he was back for you know a tiny bit of period in the autumn, but we didn't really have him back. So excited Finn's back. Really excited that Red Path is is going at twelve because it really feels like that could be you know a pretty unbelievable linchpin for Scotland in attack. And then yeah, you know the the pack wasn't too many surprises. Probably thought Graham might pop in, but it feels like potentially with some of the England injuries that our pack can at least match them up front. Calm yourself, Alan. We're only four <laughs> minutes into the pod, and you're you're almost frothing over with hope and excitement. I just checked in on a poll we put out on Instagram earlier. That's Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod on Instagram, and ninety three percent of the people that have voted about six hundred votes on Instagram believe that Scotland are going to beat England on um, Saturday. So the hope is really getting up there, Matt. What were your sort of snap reactions to the Scotland squad? Yeah, I think it's pretty much the strongest squad that Scotland could pick, apart from Hooker, where obviously we've we've got those injuries. Um, I I was kind of slightly surprised. Well, a a week ago when we sort of were previewing it, I I wasn't sure that Redpath would start. But, you know, as soon as we started hearing noises coming out from the camp that he would be, I was thinking, well, that's, that's a pretty interesting selection. It shows that... Townsend is slightly rolling the dice and with with Russell and Redpath working together you know that that suggests to me that he's looking to take the game to England and I I completely agree about the the selections that England have I mean make no bones about it it's a it's a bloody strong team but it's got a very strong spine of that sort of George Itoji Funapola Farrell but those are guys that haven't played any meaningful rugby in in quite a long time and then not having your first choice props, second row, having Mark Wilson instead of, of Underhill. They've all been replaced by very good players. But I think in, in all of those positions, they, they don't necessarily have the edge over Scotland. So, you know, combine that with no Twickenham crowd. You know, I, th- I think that it's, it's almost the best team that Scotland could, could hope to face. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Eddie Jones has been out in the press after he named his squad. He is saying that the weight of expectation is going to be heavy on Scotland. So let's add to that weight of expectation throughout the pod. Um, Eddie Jones doing his usual um, sort of sounding off and winding people up. He says, for Scotland, this is the most important game of the year, but they don't have a monopoly on pride, which is quite an interesting take yeah i saw that it was i think that's quite punchy from him yeah it's classic eddie jones always wants to sort of divert the attention off his players and take the criticism and stuff like that himself rather than anything from his players but uh i like the idea that like scottish people are like only we can be proud of our country (laughs) yeah exactly it's all uh all very, very strange but we've mentioned a little bit of the names in the in the england squad there a few sort of key matchups um particularly let's let's go into the back row obviously fantastic to see jamie ritchie come through um a potential concussion or he's recovered from a concussion that he had to be able to take the six jersey hamish watson and tom curry at seven a lot of people both sort of a lot of people saying that they are both sort of um people that would go on a lions tour um matt what do you make of that that matchup yeah, I mean, I think in some ways they're maybe slightly different players in that Watson probably carries a lot more than than Curry, but Curry's sort of got that 
all-round game where he's constantly involved. He's he's good over the ball. Um, I, I'm just really looking forward to seeing that because I think there are two players who are currently playing at the kind of height of their abilities. Um, and I, I think across the rest of the back row, you know, I, th- I think that Richie or or Watson should should be able to get the better of Mark Wilson. I think Mark Wilson's a very good player, but once again, he hasn't been in that England setup for quite some time. Um, you know, B- Billy Vinopola is the one that has always caused Scotland problems. I don't, I don't think he's maybe uh, at his best at the moment, but he tends to get over the gain line or at least meet the gain line with, with every carry. And it'll be really interesting to see how Matt Fagerson goes because this, this will be his, I think we talked about it before, this will be his first Six Nations start away against England at Twickenham. You know, that's a massive test. And but I'm pretty excited about what he can what he can bring to that to that role. Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about talk about Ferguson. We had heard whisperings in camp that um, Gary Graham was going to be given the nod ahead of Ferguson um, based on his um, his fantastic form for the Newcastle Falcons. But Alan, what do you think it um, what do you think it says about sort of Tooney's trust in in Ferguson's ability to step up that he's been given the given the eight jersey? I do do think a little bit with Gary Graham. I think I'm sure he has been having an unbelievable season, but I do think maybe 99% of Scottish fans calling for Gary Graham have probably not watched any more than maybe a couple of minutes of highlights on YouTube. I just generally don't think people have got the time or the inclination to watch a lot of Newcastle Falcons matches. That's just just how it is. So I think a lot of people are all kind of basing a lot of their kind of love for Gary Graham, maybe a little bit on kind of what's kind of coming out in the press. Um, Having said that, you know, I'm, he is obviously a, you know, a slightly different player, and, and he, the one thing he does have is he's kind of up against a lot of these kind of England forwards in a much kind of more abrasive league, and it has shown quite consistently he can kind of stand up, stand up to them, and kind of kind of outperform them in a lot of it, in a lot of matches. With Matt Ferguson, for him, I think given how well he performed against France in the Automations Cup. Has probably held him has, has, has held quite a lot of sway because I actually think if you look back to that France match where he's up against probably a bigger pack and you know not a too dissimilar sort of back row, he really really stood up, made a lot of very very hard yards, and was managing to stop a lot of the big runners on the game line. And I think given that if he can carry that sort of international form across then I think he can probably do quite a lot of damage. I think the issue for maybe a lot of Scotland fans is I think his performances for Glasgow in the games he's been able to play over the last sort of 12 months maybe haven't been as high as he's been doing for Scotland. Fantastic summary, Alan, of the whole uh, of the whole debate of the two number eights there. You should, um, you should take up, you should take <laughs> so, up rugby analysis um, more seriously. The one, the one thing I was going to say, though, about Richie and Watson is I know we we all love them. But I still think that if a, if a, if a Lions team, I don't know, not to bring us to the Lions, but if it was being picked right now, I have a sneaking suspicion neither of them would get in. I think kind of generally outside of Scotland, they're still seen in a tier below Curry, Underhill, Levy, Tipperick. And, and whilst I think they've both had kind of a few games, whether, you know, thinking back to Richie against France last year or maybe sort of even what's... Um, Watson when sort of playing at home against Wales a couple of years back where they've really dominated their opposite men I, I'm still not sure they've shown a consistent run of games where they've been the sort of standout pairing and I actually think in the Autumn Nations Cup probably Richie more than Watson probably didn't reach the kind of heights that we were hoping and so that, that's kind of if I'm really hoping that both those players manage to kind of step up and really kind of solidify their place in that kind of top tier of kind of British back rows. 100%. I think we're all hoping for that. I mean, sort of moving up up the pack from the back, um, the new sort of um, Scotland boiler room that looks very, very settled, um, Scott Cummings and um, Johnny Gray. Matt, how much are you hoping that Johnny Gray brings some of that newfound carrying energy from Exeter into a Scotland jersey? Yeah, I think it's probably similar to what Alan was saying there about Richie and Watson, that Johnny Gray is a very highly regarded player, but still below, 
you know, in a lot of people's estimations, below you know, quite a few of the English locks, for instance. So I, I think he, he has had good games against your your Englands and, and, and France's in the past, but those have tended to be at home. So you know, this is, once again, an amazing test after playing so well for Exeter. And I, th- I think taking his game to another level, if, if he can you know, come out the back of the game and say that he actually dominated um, Itoje or Hill, which is a really big ask. Um, then, you know, he'll have done his lines or whatever, his, his credentials, big shot. Um, and I also think he's got a really big role, probably, you know, him and Cummings to play in the lineout because obviously maybe Turner's arrows are a bit under question and Itoje is very good at, at spoiling lineout ball. So, I suppose it's kind of up to those guys to to secure a ball and um, sort of take control in that area. Do you think from from five you worried at all? My my only worry is well, it's not a massive worry, but slight concern is just around Turner's arrows because I think we we know what he can do in the loose, got no problems with that. And then if you look to the bench and we're forced into bring on someone like Dave Cherry early on, so. Which I'm sure he'll do, you know, a, a good job. But it, we're we're sort of down to the bare bones there slightly. That that's my only real concern. I think. I I, I think in in the scrum we should be able to hold our own. Went pretty well there in the last Six Nations, but yeah, the the line out is my is my one concern. As I say, with with Atoji there, he he can be pretty good at spoiling. I had a daydream that I was mentioning to another a mutual friend on um, WhatsApp the other day. Sort of first couple of minutes, Farrell puts into the corner. It's like Scotland line out on her own 22. Turner, overthrow, gets into Billy's hands. We're on the five-meter line. Scotland are on the trial line defending for their lives. And we end up 7-0 down after two minutes. <laughs> now, whether that daydream becomes a reality... We're obviously praying it's not. But I do think, you know, that fear of Turner's arrows is probably similar to what we fear with restarts, right? It's it's something that we know has historically been an issue. <laughs> and uh, it's something that has kind of, you know, it, it, I really do feel in this match, and we talk about it quite a lot, but if we, and I, and I, I say this knowing that we were sort of 31, 31 nil down two years ago, but it really feels if we get behind this England team, they're just so hard to kind of catch back up just because of them, the size of the pack, and and admittedly how good kind of the Farrell and Daly are at kind of keep keeping teams back with sort of kicking game. I think that that point about Turner's arrows and, and uh, Cherry on the bench is a, is a very good one. That would certainly be something I would share. Um, Roy Sutherland and Xander Ferguson closing out that front row. I think that is a pretty settled um, one and three as well. How do you think that scrum battle is going to play out um, against Ellis Gange and, and Will Stewart? Admittedly, a player I don't know a huge amount um, from Bath coming in for England. Do you think Scotland have got an opportunity to get an upper hand there? I have literally zero insight into how Sutherland and Ferguson will compete against Stewart and Gange. So. I mean, the, the only thing I'd say is that I think Ellis Gange is a very good player and a very destructive player in the loose, but I don't think he's particularly renowned for his scrummaging. So, fingers crossed, Fagerson can can make some inroads there. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same around Will Stewart. I think he's he's been going well for Bath and and been around the edges of of the the England squad, but I think compared to to Kyle Sinclair, it it is a pretty big drop off. Uh, but and and you know it, it once again it's sort of a, a a big opportunity for someone like Roy Sutherland to really cement his position as one of the best loose heads in in the UK. So don't know one hundred percent, but hopefully that is some somewhere that the pack can can get a bit of ascendancy. No one, I think going back to that point around Richie and Watson being in that second tier, I think very quickly Roy Sutherland's very much put himself in that top tier. And, and does feel like one of probably him and Hogg and Russell are potentially the three players that you would most expect to see on see on a line to now. Um, 
I do remember one thing I rarely listened to a while back was someone said that Johnny Hill is a very good scrummaging lock. I don't really know what that means, and I have zero idea what impact really locks have. I'm assuming locks have quite a significant impact on kind of your scrum, but I don't know how important that is. Is is it not just mainly to do around size? I'm I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, because well, I think that's that's the argument why for why Courtney Laws sometimes doesn't play in the second row and he'll be moved to six because he isn't as just as big as a Joe Launchbury, for instance. I, I was thinking about it actually that this week because a few people had said that maybe Richie Gray would get a shot over Scott Cummings. And I, I kind of could get that, you know, in terms of just purely from a set piece perspective that you've got a very, Richie Gray has been absolutely bossing the line out recently and adds a bit more heft in the, in the scrum. Do you know what else he adds? Narrative. Would have been two brothers. <laughs> two brothers in the second row, return of Richie Gray to Scotland. That would just been another great bit of narrative. But it's a shame. That's that's where Tunis let the side down. The thing is, the thing with Richie Gray, you talk about sort of celebrities of Scottish rugby. Again, he, he's up there with your Hogs, your Laidlaws and your Russells. He still retains a lot of brand equity with the kind of broader Scottish public. Brand equity with the broader Scottish public. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, fair play. That's an absolute wanker comment. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> let's move away from Richie Gray's brand equity and we'll come back onto the bench because I think there's an awful lot to say there. But we've already talked about Two years ago, how can you not the second half or the game of two halves at Twickenham? Um, the magician Finn Russell absolutely at the helm that day. Would you agree with this statement, Matt? If Scotland are going to win on Saturday, it will be because Finn Russell has an absolute blinder. Yeah, I think so. I can't really see Scotland completely dominating England up front. It's a pretty obvious thing to say. So if they are going to win, I think it's through... Russell taking the game to England, finding gaps in the defense, putting people into into space, um, and you know that it's it's the narrative once again that we talked about. Like all the noises coming out of the Scotland camp and him sort of doing interviews with the SOU, etc., are that he's bossing it and he's absolutely on fire and he's looking so good. And you know, I think in terms of his confidence levels, it seems as if. You know, he's he's never been as sure of his abilities as he is now. So, and I I, I do get the sense that the English players are they they take him his threat really seriously, um, because of obviously what's happened in the past, particularly that the the draw a couple of years ago. So, yeah, he's he's clearly critical. There is the fear with Finn. A little bit where I think for Racing, because he's behind a, such a large and dominating pack, you know, in most games, especially in Europe, they're 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 on the sort of front foot, and and if if he's got any issues at Racing, he can literally just pop it to Vakatawa, who will will almost always make yards. And I think you know he he's not going to be in that situation on Saturday, right? He's he's at on a lot of occasions going to be behind potentially a retreating pack, and he's not got. I appreciate Redpath and Harris are good players, and, and potentially Duhan can sort of be potentially that sort of outlet. But he's not potentially got kind of the same context as he does for in, in in normal sort of club games. And I just wonder if if this if there is a point where the Scotland Pack's getting kind of pushed back and bullied, or you know Harris gets sort of smashed by Lawrence who lose sort of five or ten yards. It's kind of what does he then yeah. do? I, th- I think the. Uh... The Champions Cup final was actually a pretty good example of that, where probably for the first time in that tournament, Racing were matched by the opposition pack. And whilst Finn did set up some scores, he also gave away a couple through through forcing things. I I, I do wonder whether, obviously, he has a lot of creative license, uh, a freedom at, at you know in in his role with Scotland, but whether there is still a kind of tactical framework that he will play around in terms of playing territory etc rather than necessarily attacking from his own half but actually the more i say that that's probably quite a ridiculous statement because he kind of does does what he wants i suppose 
Yeah, and it will be very interesting, this new axis between him and Cameron Redpath, um, to see what impact that has. All the reports from camp, or certainly the ones that have reached us via the media, have been that everyone's been extremely impressed with Cameron Redpath coming in at 12. Alan, what, what are you hoping that the new the new golden um the new golden boy of Scottish rugby is going to be able to bring to this team that it hasn't had before. I think we sort of look back at the the Scotland games where they've sort of performed their best. It's it's when they've been getting a lot of sort of width from the ball, and and I think I always look back at the sort of Scotland game. I know we lost it, but against New Zealand and Hogg at the time was really coming in at sort of second second receiver and was sort of stretching New Zealand, and I, and I really hope that. Sort of red path does sort of come in as that sort of second distributor and helps to sort of because ultimately if we can get it out to people like Duhan and Hogg, I think you know it can cause a lot of damage. And then the other piece is the one thing that uh, red path does have is he's also he's also good at attacking the line. And I think hopefully having you know because Finn is such a threat with ball in hand. Hopefully that will also give Redpath a bit more breathing room and a bit more space to kind of attack the line and sort of show what he can do. Yeah, it's always interesting to look back on those the big wins under early Townsend. All pretty much had Pete Horn at twelve, and I think it was last week you stole the line from the Glasgow Warriors forum, which was that Cam Redpath was Pete Horn but with a higher ceiling. Is that is that how you sort of see it, Matt? Yeah, I think so. Um, there, there was an interesting. Um, kind of soundbite from from Redpath this week about Cam Redpath that he has this fearless mindset and I, I wonder whether that's sort of been Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavour That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Born of the fact that he played at such a good school at Sebra that won every single game and then got into the England under-20 side that at the time were extremely strong. And I wonder if that just breeds a completely different mindset to a lot of Scottish rugby players when they're coming up through the ranks and are, you know, realistically quite used to losing. So that combined with his clear technical ability and, and, and understanding of the game was probably the most interesting thing, actually. And I kind of thought, you know, this this is a guy that has clearly made a real impression in the camp um, and, you know, seemingly is there to really take the game to to England. Red pass brand equity is through the <laughs> roof at the moment. Buy stocks in brand red path. Oh, 100%. The new brand Beckham. Going to go, going to go through the roof. It's, it's in, in talking about narrative. Obviously, the it, the story of him and Ollie Lawrence and is quite interesting. You know, the fact that they kind of came through kind of the England age group system together, and I think there was sort of a note. I can't remember if it was the twenty nineteen or the um, twenty eighteen Six Nations match when when Scotland and England were playing, and obviously Ollie Lawrence and Redpath were in the centres and had just absolutely pumped Scotland together. So they've they played a lot of rugby together. I think that from from all intents and purposes, it sounds like they're pretty good friends. So it'll be interesting to sort of see them sort of lining up against each other on, on opposite sides. Absolutely. And, and Redpath lining up next to Scotland fan favourite Chris Harris. Um, I don't think any of us were surprised to see that. As a partnership, I mean, Scotland have run through however many in the centres of recent years. Are you happy with the balance between Cameron Redpath and, and Harris, Matt? On paper, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. 
my my one concern would be that when James Lang played in admittedly only a couple of games in the Georgia and Wales games last year, he wasn't really used in that role as a sort of second distributor that was linking with Harris and the rest of the back line. So a, a lot of it depends on the quality of the ball that Russell's getting. And if Scotland can sort of get some parity or a bit of front foot ball, then I'm pretty excited to see Redpath and Russell taking it to the line and Harris, I suppose, just keeping the defence honest with those those straight lines. And I've said it loads of times before, but I just really want Hogg and Doohan to be brought into the game as much as possible and not just be standing in those outside channels. I think particularly Doohan, we've, we've got to get him running at Farrell, at Lawrence in particular, and just get his hands on the ball as much as possible. Yeah, you've, you've picked out picked out Doohan and, and Hogg, um, obviously joined in the back three by Sean Maitland. Perhaps a slight surprise um, that Darcy Graham wasn't, wasn't picked, but... Um, what do you think of Maitland in, in in that sort of back three? It always feels that we're stronger defensively there. Do you think that probably played into the played into the selection? I just think we've said it loads of times. You, can, you can't really remember Maitland having a bad game for Scotland. He just does the basics so well. And even when he was coming off the bench in the Autumn Nations Cup, I remember he sort of came on, I think potentially against France, and just looked just... He knows how to operate at that level, and he's not someone who's going to drop high balls. He'll know he's, he's going to be in the right places for finishing tries. And I think he might not bring like the X factor of a Darcy Graham or a Doohan, but there is just that level of consistency that he, he just he just brings and, and potentially kind of brings a kind of nice balance to to that back three. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, the other. The other player there that is always under huge amounts of scrutiny is Stuart Hogg, captaining this side. We've had sort of some concerns around his form there. He hit back against some of that, not obviously directly against us, but he was on the BBC's Scottish Rugby podcast, which is terrible. But he was talking about it, um, how he doesn't believe captaincy has affected him. Um, what sort of Stuart Hogg are we hoping to see here and what does he need to do to sort of I guess maybe re-cement his position as the sort of the imperious fullback in in Europe. Yeah, I think a lot will depend on sort of who gets ascendancy in terms of territory possession and just that battle up front. Because I think the concern with Hogg recently has been that he has been trying to do a lot himself from the back and and sort of overplaying his hand. I think having Finn Russell there makes a big difference because. I think, you know, when we had Duncan Weir or, or Jakob van der Waal, I think Hogg feels a lot more of the onus is on him to come up with the, the killer play. So what, what I'm hoping is that he just sort of makes the right decisions, clears his lines when he has to, has a go when it's on, rather than forcing things. You know, I, I'm still not 100% convinced that anyone should be a, a captain from, from fullback, but Hopefully with Finn there, as I say, he will j- just r- make the right decisions in, in the match. I do wonder whether they might at some point in the near future transition Jamie Ritchie into into that vice-captain role. I know he was vice-captain across the Autumn Nations Cup and has obviously retained that role. And I, I do remember sort of back in 2019, we heard some rumours that you know, he was considered as a future captain, but potentially not ready at that time. Um, and obviously, we know he's part of like the leadership, the wider leadership group, etc. So, you know, hopefully, he, you know, going back to the sort of earlier point about him sort of having a big tournament, potentially, hopefully, he sort of steps up and be, and, and is sort of seen as a real sort of leader of that pack. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's the vice captain. I seem to remember during autumn in particular, was there not like three other vice captains as well? I think Ali Price was a vice captain as well. Yeah. So they've they've trimmed that down. So maybe Richie's now that you know, the fact that he's remaining the sole vice captain would add a little bit of weight to your theory, but there is always the chance that I am reading far too much into little things there. Um Looking down onto the bench, we commented on Twitter that there's a serious amount of heft 
on the bench, Dave Cherry, Ollie Kebble, Willem Nell, Richie Gray, Gary Graham, and then into the back, Scott Steele, Jakob van der Vaal, and Hugh Jones. Matt, are you excited by the excited or are you happy about the options that we could have there to bring on at sort of 60 minutes? Yeah, as I said, I, I do slightly worry about Hooker, but we are where we are. Um, being able to bring on, on Nell to just solidify the scrum, Kebble has done pretty well so far, apart from maybe that France game. And I'd, I'd love to see Gary Graham come on and just, you know, really get in amongst the, the England pack. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see him against uh, fellow teammate uh, Mark Wilson. The the backs, I, I, Hugh Jones is, is good to see in there. And once again, I think it, it maybe shows that Townsend wa- wanting Scotland to take the game to, to England. Um, yeah. The, the halfbacks, I think, are they're a predictable drop-off. But I kind of think with Hastings out, that that's just the reality of it. But I think Rich Richie Gray's come on as well. Like you'd like to see him just getting fully stuck in. I don't think the English forwards are, will be that happy seeing Richie Gray come on at, at sixty minutes or so. If Maitland or Duhan go down, do you think Harris shifts to the wing and Jones just slots in at thirteen? Probably, or the, or the other way around. Keep Harris there, Jones in the wing. Yes, I was trying to remember back, and it, it feels like Harris has a lot more exposure to the, the wing than, than I, I don't think Jones is. I mean, I know Jones played a little bit back in South Africa, but I don't think he's played much, if any, while he's been over in Scotland. Whereas I think when Harris first came on the scene, he was playing quite a lot of wing for Newcastle. I mean, Hugh Jones hasn't played at 13 in like 12 months. so <laughs> that, that, is, that is true. You might as well chuck him in at, you know, blindside flanker or something. Probably inter- an interesting and quite nice fact is obviously Dave Cherry getting his first cap at like 30 in Calcutta Cup. You know, you don't regularly get kind of um, a new cap at that sort of age, especially in Scotland where like basically 90% of international professional players have got a cap, right? Um, so no, good, uh, good, to see, good to see him get that opportunity. But yeah, I think you're right in the sense that you know, with sort of fifth, with 25, 20 minutes to go, you know, Nell and Kebble coming on is, you know, even just from a sort of scrummaging standpoint, is just super solid. And I think, not maybe not in the loose, but at the set piece, probably gives you more than Abano and Williams. Um, yeah, I think so. But- I think potentially, I like, I do like Graham and Richie Gray, but. I think with England bringing on Courtney Laws and Ben Earl is a pretty spicy kind of um, option. And Luke Cowan-Dickey as well. Like Those are guys that can make a a big impact coming off the bench. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then even, I think, you know, looking at the backs, I think... The one one of the concerns for for Tooney will be if Russell or Price goes down early, the replacement... There's quite a big gulf in quality between what we're starting with and what's coming off the bench, and I think you know there's no slight on Jacko or Scott Steele. It just you know, is a reflection of how good Price and Russell are, and it's is a concern, especially as well when you look at that English bench and you've got Robson um, and Ford able to sort of come in and just slot in, who are both just generally like world-class players. Yeah, that is definitely a concern for me. I think an early injury to Finn Price or George Turner could have a significant impact on um, on the outcome. Um, and speaking of outcomes, why don't we move on then to sort of um, predictions. Uh, Matt, I'll come to you first. 4.45 Saturday. Um, what do you think is going to happen at Twickenham? I'm hoping it's going to be a pretty exciting game. I think that's how it's lining up at the moment. Particularly the Finn coming back. Red pass selection. I'm I'm hoping that Scotland are gonna give it a real crack. I mean I suppose the the worry is that, you know, we haven't won there for, for so long and historically have done pretty badly up front against English packs, which isn't probably enough to, to win them the game. So my my heart is like picturing this absolute sort of virtuoso performance from from Finn that takes us over the line in a in a high scoring like 28-24 victory but my my head saying 
I think it will be sort of England by 10, maybe. Ish, by 10 points. Um, Alan, how are you feeling about that? I mean, so the spread on Betfair is 15 points. So that's what they're expecting the difference to be, which I feel is probably like a little bit rich. I think I'd probably go with Matt and say sort of 10 to 12. It feels like I don't, I don't think Scotland have got enough to, to beat England at home. But I also don't think it's going to be sort of an absolute smashing. I think actually potentially, we'll, you know, we'll go into half time and there'll be sort of a two or three point difference kind of either side. And then actually it'll be England's finishers who will uh, who will sort of take them past it in the last sort of 20 minutes. But yeah, I think maybe 10 to 12 points and maybe relatively high scoring, maybe like sort of 50 points overall. Oosh. Like a 30-20 or sort of like a 30-18? 30-18 sounds kind of on the money. I can hear that being read out, you know, by John Inverdale or whatever at the end of the game. Um, I, I totally feel with you the head and heart stuff, Matt. That's exactly where I am at. Um, Cam Redpath just sort of diving over beneath the sticks, chucking the ball at Eddie Jones's face. Um, but I don't know. It's hard to look past the fact that I just think there's almost sort of internationally accepted blueprint of how to beat Scotland and England's whole sort of rugby game is set up to play that blueprint. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think it'll be close. I think we'll do very, very well, but I think nip and tuck probably just about England, which is, uh, yeah, I think the hard reality of it, um, which is pretty sad, but let's not end on such a low Alan, as you tend to do, can you bring our spirits up with a high-quality bit of Scottish rugby quizzing? Will, also, if anyone wants to sort of follow my lead and lose a bit of money, I've put £2 on Scott Cummings to be first try scorer at 100 to 1. I've got this idea of just like a real short line just kind of out in, just diving over off price after about 10 to 12 minutes. So uh, that's that's my, like my tip of the week, although obviously gamble responsibly is sort of the Scottish rugby version of GameStop. I'm going to sort of place the money down, give the tip, and then just as everyone's piling in, I'm going to lay the bet and take my profits before the event's <laughs> even happened. <laughs> exactly. Well, betting aside, what sort of quiz have you got for us? So I've got um, a Scotland-England at Twickenham quiz, and it's going to be based on Scottish rugby try scorers. So there's obviously been this millennium, there's been 10 matches, Scotland have failed to score a try in three. Actually, all were um, pre-2010. So, 01, 03, and 2009. And and since, and over the last millennium, there have been 14 Scotsmen to have scored a try at Twickenham in the Calcutta Cup. So, similar to last week, you've got three lives each. And I know, I think, to be fair, you both absolutely crushed it last week. But we're, again, we're going to start with you, Dave. And we're just going to go back and forth. I'm going to see if we can get all 14 this millennium. So, Dave, who have you got up first? So, 14 Scottish rugby try scorers. Yeah. Um, Sean Maitland. Sean Maitland is correct. Although, didn't actually... It was there. I think it was, his, it was either his debut or one of his very first games for Scotland. Yeah, 2013, which, it, which was his debut. And there was a there was an interesting um, stat that Kevin Miller actually put up today, which was um, the last two players to have had their debut for Scotland in the Calcutta Cup was Sean Maitland in 2013 and Tom Smith. I can't remember what the year was. Maybe it was 93. Mm. And both of them had the debut against England and both got picked in the Lions Tour. So maybe Cam Redpath could be um, your He's wild off. card. But yeah, Sean Maitland, 2011. Matt? Uh, I'm going to go Max Evans. Max Evans nice. is correct. Sorry, Maitland was 2013. Max Evans 2011. With that little, I was at that game actually. Nice. So we've obviously got six try scorers. I know Darcy got two, didn't he? But that's how Darcy Graham then. <laughs> Darcy, <laughs> yeah, Darcy two tries 2019. Uh, I'm not going to go with the easy picks like Dave. Uh, Gordy <laughs> Reed. 
Gordy yes, Reed. Of course he did. Yes. In the 20... 65 nil pumping, wasn't it? 2017, we thought the comeback yeah. was on and it was actually just a minor um, silver lining before the absolute pumping. Um, Magnus Bradbury. Bradbury, 2019, is correct. Mark Bennett. Mark Bennett, 2015. That's when I think he put Scotland in front in that match, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. 2015 Mark Bennett, my God. I was thinking today, we were chatting about the trajectory of Mark Bennett's sort of form at the moment, thinking some would tour, maybe Redpath and Bennett. I think it could be a nice combo. Oosh. Dave, um, what have you got with six I'm gonna stick with the. Uh, I'm going to stick with the low-hanging fruit of um, Finn Russell. Finney Russ, yes. Interception 2019. Matt? Um, sorry, one second. Stuart Hogg. Stuart Hogg, yes. 2013. I think was that not the try where it was sort of kicked through by Maitland? Yeah, um, from the kind of the yeah. run 22 when the yeah. game was lost. And that was sort of a mix because that was when Maitland obviously was having his debut. And then to be fair, Hogg had only made his debut against Wales in that sort of um, in in the 2012 Six Nations. So we're still pretty fresh, mm. I think. Right. Eight down. Stuart um, McAnally. Stuart McAnally is correct. 2019. And I actually got the numbers wrong. I think there's, there is 15, not 14. So it could be a little tiebreaker, although probably not. Um, Matt, what have you got? Six left. Um, Finn Russell. Already had Finn Russell. Oh, sorry. Um, Sam That's got to be a life down then. No, life, okay, fine. Life, fine. life down. You're down <laughs> fine. Two. Yes, Sam Johnson, last try. So, five, five left. We've got one this decade, and the other four were all in either 2005 or 2007. Oh, God. <laughs> I couldn't even find highlights of the matches on YouTube. So if anyone's got a condensed, there was like a full match, and I was like, I can't really be asked going through this. But if anyone's got any highlights of the 05 or 07 Calcutta Cup, please send them through. Um, how about... Actually, I've got no idea. Um, what? Sean Lamont? Sean Lamont is correct. 05. Oh, that was the one nice. years of Lamont when, he's, when he had the peroxide hit. Yeah. Absolute glory days. Matt, what you got? I think I remember 2005 because it was Wilkinson's uh, like comeback, um, I think. And I think Simon Taylor scored. Simon Taylor has two, one in 05 and one in 07. Ah. There you go. So, yes. Dave? Um, I'm now really flailing around. Um and when you're fl- flailing around, go for one of the old favourites. Phil Godman. No. Life, lo- <laughs> life, life lost. <laughs> Where you go, Matt? Um, don't know. Uh, Chris, Chris Patterson. Chris Patterson is incorrect. So Never scored at Twickenham. Three, three left. One from 2017, one from 2005, and one from 2007. 2017. Again, I was there. It was... Awful. I was with um, three English people. It was terrible. Um, I can't remember. I just remember Gordy Reid scoring. Now that you can, now that it's been raised. Um, did I did I say? Um, oh, sorry, Sugar. No, you can you can go ahead. I'm, I did, don't have any to hand. Did we say Hugh Jones? No one said Hugh Jones. So okay, yeah. Hugh Jones. I think he scored two. <laughs> yeah, Hugh Jones scored two. Twenty seventeen. So two. Did he really? <laughs> two left. What positions do they play? Uh, one plays centre, and the other one plays centre as well. Um, one of them has played for, I think, both pro teams, and then also played in Ireland. And then the other one, a bit more random, played for like played for Glasgow, but then also played for like Leeds and then Oral. And Rob Dewey. So Rob Dewey is the first one. So played for Ulster, obviously. And then he scored in 2007. And then in 2005, he got a lad that um, has played rugby, has played, represented Scotland in both rugby union and rugby league. And centred, you say? Yes. And now, according to Wikipedia, runs a full-time plumbing and heating contraction company based in Warrington. Is it um, 
Is that an ad? Yeah. <laughs> he is our he's he's our second sponsor. He's, under, he's no our sponsor. secret secret sponsor. If and oh if this guy does is it, um is it and um uh, I don't remember his first name, Craig. Yes, Andy Craig. Yeah, Andy <laughs> Craig. <laughs> yeah. So if Andy Craig plumbing and heating contraction company wants to take out a sponsor, I'm sure we can uh, we can find a second spot. Well, certainly, if you're in the Warrington area, they are the number one <laughs> heating and plumbing yeah. contractors that I could recommend. Um, but yeah, there's the the fifteen the fifteen great men who have all uh, have all scored a try for Scotland over the last I millennium. Just, I genuinely think I've got like PTSD from being in Twickenham for that 2017 game. I genuinely do not remember um, Hugh Jones scoring two tries. Can you not remember him cutting off the the wing um, to, and he actually sort of went through quite a few tackles to score a try. I, I generally don't. The things I remember from that game are just like the sort of the big controversial Fraser Brown tackle in like the first minute, which looked like he could get like a red card. And what I really vividly remember is like, you know, when they, the VAR, not VAR, but the video refs checking it in Twickenham, they play like a heartbeat. And I just remember, I was like, oh my God, we're going to get a red card in the first minute. It's all over, and that's it. That is that's mostly most of my memory from the day. Brutal. <laughs> well, Alan, thank you very much. That was a lovely trip down um, memory lane um, and revealing a secret sponsor for the pod as well. Fantastic news. Um, that is us for today. So please do keep in touch with us throughout the um, Six Nations period. We're going to be doing one pod a week. We're going to be doing them after the squads have been announced because we like to do that to really get that hype going. Um, we're also going to be doing our newsletter, so make sure you subscribe to that. That's on Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. We're going to be doing reviews of the game in there and lots of other stuff. Um, so really, really exciting to, to keep getting that out to you. That's Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. On um, Twitter, of course, we will be doing live tweets during the game. That's at Thistle Rugby Pod. Um, and on Instagram, we'll be doing the best Scottish rugby memes that you can find out there. That's Thistle understroke rugby understroke pod. And if you do need somewhere to put all of your hopes, fears, and dreams for Scottish rugby in a slightly longer form, send us an email. That is the Thistle Rugby at gmail.com. Until then, Calcutta Cup Saturday. Enjoy it, and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.